Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Fuck, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swikowski. How you doing, Pastor Joel? I am great. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me here today. I am pumped because today we are talking about the names of God. Nice topic. And apparently this has caused damage in the church. Uh, so I'm excited to hear about that. But Pastor Joel, would you give us uh, an introduction and a background to the names of God topic? I'd be happy to. What well, you know, my my multiple times of reading the Bible, it, it is clear that the Word of God does show God being called many different names or titles, and even you know, in my in my research for this episode, I found different different articles from Christian publications. Some saying God has between seven to over a hundred names. Hmm. Another stated that God has over 950 names and titles. Yikes. Wow. But again, it's, you know, it's, uh, these are, I guess it depends on what you refer to as a name. What does it mean for God to be called something? But there are, we can see in the word of God, there is multiple titles. So that would be the history is really the Bible does refer to God as multiple different titles. Okay. So how have people been hurt by this in the church? So remember, we're in the middle of a mini series on God's nature. And the people have been hurt in the church through this topic by, once again, God having many names being used as an excuse or rationalization as to why God can't be defined or understood. And, you know, I guess an application of what this could look like, we've talked about this concept really through this, through this series, this God's nature series, we've, we've unpacked multiple ways where they're all connected and really each one of these topics has been a way for people to rationalize why they can't understand or define God. Hmm. And this is just another one of those. And and let me just explain though why this is so damaging. Mm-hmm. So Jesus defined the greatest command as love God with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty important, right? right. Like we can all agree on that. Definitely. Jesus saying it's the greatest command. Definitely. Something we should be able to do, something we should be passionate about doing. Mm-hmm. How can I be sure I'm following the greatest command? How can I be sure I'm loving God with my whole being if I don't know who the God is that I'm supposed to love? Hmm. So again, it's the same issue we've been talking about for multiple episodes. This is just another application or another rationalization we're seeing. God has multiple names. So he can't be, he can't be pinned down to one, one explanation. Got it. So how do they support that position in the Bible? 
the the perspective here on the strict side is that God is defined in multiple ways. So yes, you can define them, but it's in multiple ways. And uh, through the names or titles of God, they would use, there's plenty of scripture that could support that belief. For instance, Genesis 1.1, he's referred to as Elohim. Genesis 2.7, he's referred to as Jehovah. Genesis 22.14, we see the story where he's called Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And then Judges, let's move out of Genesis even, Judges 6.24, we see Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah is the peace. Hmm. So there's some biblical support for this perspective that God has many names. Hmm. Which which he does, and we're not refuting the fact that God has multiple things that people call him, multiple names. Right. So if someone were to have this strict limitation perspective and come after me, how would I argue against this or defend myself against people with that perspective? Right, because the, the issue isn't isn't that God doesn't have multiple names. The issue is, what is that fact used to support and these people are using it to support the fact that god can't be defined as one thing so what i would do in the case of someone coming after me is i'd ask a couple questions one is even if god does have multiple names what does that have to do with how he's defined Hmm. if my name so we know my name is joel if you called me david would that change who I am? Because and I do have multiple names: mm-hmm. Joel, Joel Benjamin, mm-hmm. Dad, Pastor. Mm-hmm. None of those determine who I am as a cause. Mm-hmm. So another question you can just ask this person who comes at you is: Are you defined by what people call you? And uh. And really flipping it on that person then. But ultimately, you know, a, a question that gets this back to God and really the major conflict here is, is asking the question of, does my saying that I'm worshiping God, does my saying that I'm worshiping God, but actually treating him like something he is not mean that I'm actually worshiping God? The fact that I'm saying I'm worshiping God, does that guarantee that I am? Or is it more important that I understand who he is and I'm worshiping the right God? Right. So we talked about some famous theologians over the last, you know, 50, 60 years, A.W. Tozer. Today, I want to talk a little bit about C.S. Lewis. There's something else that happened right around the time we, we learned some of the sayings from A.W. Tozer. C.S. Lewis was, writing his final book we saw that aw tozer warned the leaders of the church in america that not being able to specifically and accurately explain god's nature would lead to the church going into decline as it did whenever church leadership tried to rationalize why they couldn't know or explain god's nature so aw tozer died may 12 1963 c.s lewis died just months later november 22nd of the same year but six months so this is all some of the things that i'm going to cover from c.s lewis 
were happening at the same time that A.W. Tozer was warning about this stuff in the church. Because six months after C.S. Lewis died, his final book was published. And that book was called The Discarded Image. Hmm. And C.S. Lewis's main focus was to warn us that the church needs to create a model, capital M model. He said capital M model. That specifically explained our beliefs. And if we didn't, the church would suffer a decline. Near the beginning of his book, Discarded Image, C.S. Lewis wrote, in speaking of the perfected model, again, that's capital M model, as a work to be set beside the Summa and the comedy, I meant that it is capable of giving a similar satisfaction to the mind and for some of the same reasons. Like them, it, the model, is vast in scale, but limited and intelligible. Its sublimity is not the sort that depends on anything vague or obscure. So let me break this down because pretty eloquent man. It is. And uh, a lot of those words are words that I don't use on a, (laughs) on a a normal basis. Ultimately what he's saying again is C.S. Lewis is expressing that the church needs to have an explanation of God, something that's not abstract or obscure, Mm -hmm. a model for God, capital M that is expressible, meaning that I can simply state it but yet it covers everything or it accounts for the effects. Mm. So the model ought to be down to the cause of whatever I'm modeling out and be an explanation for all the effects. What we can see really when we're dealing with people coming after us saying God's defined in multiple ways and it's proven by his many names. The flaw there is God's names are effects of his nature. Mm. The names are not God's nature. And really what using God's names as a support for his nature is doing is the thing that C.S. Lewis is warning us against using all these names, whether it's seven or 950 as an explanation for who God is in his nature does make our explanation of God vague or obscure. It doesn't make it simple to express. It makes it hard to express. It makes it complex and it makes people confused about who God is. Hmm. So a model, the word model is a model's an explanation of something that covers a model is a definition or causes that covers all of these effects, all of these results. That's a great way of statement. Yep. Okay, so we so, see we see mm-hmm. effects, right? Yeah. That's the way our brains work, the way we experience the world, we see effects. A model is an explanation for the effects that we observe. That explanation would be the causes, like you said. 
So C.S. Lewis is saying, you know, if we were to take this in the names of God, he's saying we have all of these names of God and there has to be something deeper. Uh, there has to be a deeper explanation for those names than simply saying he is this name or that name. Right. So the, yeah, what he's saying is there ought to be an explanation that can be simply stated right. that would be an, that would cover or account for all of God's names. So the simplicity of it is like he said, it's vast. It covers everything. So it's not right. so that, that definition or that model would be something that has, you know, eternal implications. It right. would be huge. So the yes. model would need to be something that is pretty spectacular. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. So basically where we're at right now is the church has come up with a way to maintain an abstract view of God and they don't need to define who God is because the church majority is holding on to he's between seven and 950 names. So who can really know who he is? He's too big to understand. And these names holding on to these names is actually a way to rationalize, uh, basically not, not defining God. Yeah. It's a way for me to feel good about a crappy belief. Which is essentially what a rationalization is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Rationalization is what an ex. It's an excuse to stay on a flawed path. Right. Yep. That's absolutely what this is doing. I can't define God because he has 950 names. Yeah. And now who's not responsible to the anymore. It, it relieves me of having to answer for what my definition for God is. There you go. And it makes awesome. me feel like I'm off the hook. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, let's go to the other side of the argument. But before we do that, I see that we have a call from Pastor Richard Tater from McMillan, Alabama. Go ahead, Pastor Tater. You are on the line. Uh, hello, Pastor Joe, uh, Pastor Jonathan. Uh, I'm blessed to be here. This is not a Pastor Richard Tater, this is actually uh, Mrs. Richard Tater. Uh, uh, I'm blessed to be here. Uh, nice to meet y'all. Uh, hello. Oh, wow. It's so nice to meet you, Mrs. Tater. Um, thanks for calling. How's Pastor Tater doing? Oh, Pastor Joel, now aren't you just sweet as pie for asking? You know, I think that you are the most cherishing radio pastor. Oh, well, thank you. And, and Pastor Jonathan, I think that you are the most intelligent radio pastor. Thank you, Mrs. Tater. Uh, uh, thank you, boys. Um, Pastor Tater is a little under the weather, uh, uh, but what, hang on one sec, uh, uh, sweetheart. What? Tell that boy who you talking about. 
the call mrs tater uh pastor joel any responses for mrs tater yeah um yeah thanks for calling again i appreciate it um i just wonder would pastor tater think saying the name jesus is wrong i mean saying it the way we say it in our english language because mm. the reality is in hebrew his name is Yeshua. Mm. So, in other words, is Pastor Tater his name Richard or Rich or Dick? And does me calling him those separate names change who he is? Mm. But I get it. People don't know God's nature. That's really why we're doing these episodes. So they focus heavily on getting the effect right, which is a reversal of the principle of causality. And when people reverse causality, it can lead to depression. Well, there we go. So we've got the strict side down, Pastor Joel. What is the other side of the argument? Well, the other side is, is yet again, God can't be defined. Okay. And it's proven by his many names. So we're seeing a theme here too, is these strict and loose sides in some of the recent episodes aren't really too far apart. Right. The strict side says you can define God, but he's got multiple definitions because he has many names. The loose side says you can't define God because he has many names. Hmm. I actually have experience. It's, it's, uh, it was a turning point in my, in my walk with the Lord early on in my walk, I had an opportunity to be a part of what was called a, it was like a leadership workshop. And I had recently learned about what God's nature is. And I was excited about it. I was passionate about it. And I wanted to tell everybody about it. And unbeknownst to me at the time, people didn't want to hear it. And I remember sharing my perspective of God's nature with a leader at this workshop 
who had been in ministry for 20 to 30 years at the time. And this person, after I was ex expressing my belief, my, my model for God that was definitely would have been satisfactory and is, and would still be satisfactory to CS Lewis's explanation for what this model should be. It is a simply stated model that covers all the effects of God. After I got done sharing this, this leader said to me, there's no way I can understand God at the level that I'm, I'm saying I could. Hmm. And this leader actually said that her dad was on his deathbed recently at that time. And he still couldn't define God at the level I was saying I could. And that was when it's, it's interesting. You actually covered half of the statement at the time there was this really popular statement being used in the church. Mm. And you said half of it earlier in this, in this episode, hmm. people were saying, were quoting this phrase saying, if God was small enough to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to worship. And that was the first time with that leader, the way I was shut down as a young believer hmm. was by that statement being thrown at me. And I'll just say this. I'm, I was blessed to have a strong group of godly men and women in my life that helped me recover from that because that was a, a super damaging moment in my, in my walk with God. And unfortunately it was an experience where I was being hurt by a leader in the church. So yeah, this loose side is really, it can, it can really be damaging because these, these, these leaders in the church are, even people in the church are expressing leaders are expressing that God can't be defined. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you, pastor Joel. I thank you. You know, I, I appreciate you sharing that with all of us and, and for her to say that, I just want to let you know that that was wrong. Thank and, you. and what I hear you say in that is that you weren't saying that you understand everything about God. You were saying that you understood who he is or that model. Right. And I was never given that opportunity to explain that. Mm. Yeah. I think what I was sharing unsettled the person I was sharing it with. And uh, their response was to shut me down, to make mm -hmm. themselves feel feel better about their own beliefs. So, yeah. So we can see that you've been hurt by this perspective. Yeah. I mean, that story is a good example of how people have been hurt. Yeah. Really, where's this come from is that statement, if God is small enough to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to worship is unbiblical. Mm. It's man-made tradition, making the word of God of no effect. Yeah. And it has led the church to go into decline. There's young people out there who are looking for answers who aren't going to church because they're not going to worship something that can't be explained. Mm. So we shouldn't be upset when young people worship things they do understand. It's the church's fault. It's our fault for not being able to give an answer and 
uh, a non-contradictory answer about who God is and, and how we can interact with them. Wow. What do you mean by we shouldn't be upset when young people worship things they do understand? What do you mean by that? Well, we're, what we rec- recognize worship is, is, is uh, sending value to something or sending your worth to something. Hmm. And we see these young people are worshiping things that maybe those of us in the church don't think they should be, whether it's celebrities or, ah. um, you know, musicians or even themselves They're they are worshiping and giving of themselves to these people that they do understand. Wow. They can, they can see these celebrities. Mm. They can interact with these celebrities. They can watch interviews of these celebrities. Huh. And, wow. and it doesn't require faith, which it does require faith with God. So it's easier for them, but, but doesn't that kind of make sense that these young people would put their attention on these things they can't understand. Wow. And what right do I have to get upset when the church that I want them to come to can't explain who God is? Wow. So if someone were to hold this, this uh, loose perspective, how would you defend yourself against them? What would you say? So I, I like to use, there's some verses I would like to share. Mm. And really what I could ask a person is uh, if they really believe, all right, you know what? I even, I can put this on myself. I'll just share it. Mm-hmm. If I really believed that, that statement of if God was small enough to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to worship, then how should I interpret the following verses jeremiah 9 23 and 24 say thus says the lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom let not the mighty man glory in his might nor let the rich man glory in his riches but let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me that i'm the lord exercising loving kindness justice and righteousness in the earth for in these i delight how should I interpret that if I'm saying God doesn't want to or can't be understood? Because what these verses are explicitly stating is that God delights in us understanding him. These verses are directly stating that if I glory in anything, it ought to be glorying in understanding and knowing God. <laughs> So people who say God can't be understood or God doesn't want to be understood, wouldn't these people be calling God a liar? So what I would do, like I could share that on myself. I could ask these questions, which would be this indirect unconscious confrontation to the people I'm interacting with. Wow. So the proof that, so God is saying that, if we understand and know him that he has delight in that. Yes. So he is actually saying that that is happening because he's not saying I would delight in the fact that those things would be happening hypothetically. Right. It's a present, it's a present phrase, right? Right. I do delight in these things. So there are actually people around that time when God said that, 
that were knowing him and nice. understanding him. Yes. So when you see this going on in the church, Pastor Joel, what are the responses that you see? I see these three categories. Mm -hmm. There's the people I feel sorry for. And that's the people who find any rationalization for explaining away God's nature. And these people tend to end up depressed in the long term. I see the people that I understand why they do what they do. These are the people who recognize that what they are called does not determine who they are. Mm. But these people would still not have an explanation for God's nature. And they would even admit they don't. They're not trying to come up with some explanation that doesn't make sense. And then there's the people I'm impressed with, and that's the people who see God's names as a way to understand his character, his personality, mm. yet not seeing those titles as expressing his nature mm. or his identity. These names are part of what the model for God accounts for, mm. but they're not foundational in the model itself. So these people we're impressed with, are people who genuinely want an explanation for God's nature. And the proof of that is when you share the right answer with them, they don't get upset or defensive with your answer because they're looking for something that makes sense. Nice. So we are now at the time in our show when we hear the ultimate answer, Pastor Joel. Can you give that to us, please? Yes, the ultimate answer is God's names describe his character or his personality. God's names do not describe his identity or his nature. Hmm. So what we're seeing, another way of saying that is God's names describe the effects of God. Sure. God's names do not describe the causes of God. And again, we're in our God's nature series right now. We are still looking for the understandable cause so we can know and understand God. And we will get to that answer. Oh, and I'm excited for it. Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.